Thanks for listening to Schlereth and Evans On Demand, presented by Bathfitter. Hey guys, if you drop the ball when it comes to your bath or shower remodel, Bathfitter doesn't just fit your bath, they fit your budget and schedule. Bathfitter will install a tub or shower in just one day. Bathfitter's price guarantee is a slam dunk. Bathfitter, it just fits. So we've identified backup quarterback, a scat back, and potentially like a Latavius Murray. I'd be fine seeing Latavius back, would you? Sure, absolutely. Especially for the first few weeks until Javante gets back up to speed and going kind of committee with Latavius and another, you know, like you're talking about, yeah. third down back. He's played for Sean Payton before. He's a really, he's a really good player. Uh, I Yeah, I, I wouldn't have any issue with that at all. All right, we addressed offensive line a little bit earlier to recap. Right tackle, left guard, you're talking about potentially a backup center. Either way, three positions there. We'd be looking to upgrade or find different options than you already have in-house. Correct. Okay. Wide receiver room, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, if you can move, Tim Patrick's going to be back. Mm -hmm. I think he's one of the best players they have on their on their roster, still has to prove he can come back healthy. Come back healthy, right? He's got all, but he got hurt. But he got hurt. Like, training, camp, yeah, right. Like day early yeah. on, like, yeah. like the second week. I want to say, yeah. So he should be, he should be good to go. Um, I don't have any problem with them moving Cortland Sutton. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to, though. I have to be honest. Would you move him for a fifth? I, yeah, I'd move him for for anything for for a bag anything. of footballs just to get just to get rid of the salary. Hmm. I it just I, again, you know what. Um, if you if you don't if you don't move him, then you've got to move him positionally. Like you got to he's he's just not a dominant weak side X receiver. He's not a threat anymore. He's not a guy that you're like, oh gosh, how are we going to cover him? Ooh, yeah, it just does not. He do doesn't you think, do that. Do you think he could be a bit of a reclamation project for Sean Payton and potentially being used in a Marcus Colston type of role? Yeah. Or, or do you think it's not really well, going to happen? The, there? the one that I the one that I did is is Larry Fitzgerald mm. and and Larry Fitzgerald when when um, Bruce Arians came to Arizona, right? Larry Fitzgerald had been you know Pro Bowl All Pro X forever, and Bruce goes, "Hey man, I'm going to move you into." into the role that we had with Heinz Ward in Pittsburgh. We're going to move you into the slot, and, you know, we're going to motion you, and we're going to ask you to block people, and we're going to do all this stuff. And Larry, and this is a conversation I had with Larry. Larry was, like, adamant against it. Like, absolutely not. I'm not doing it. Da, da, da. And Bruce Arians said, no, you're doing it. And he goes, I guarantee you I'm going to get you 100-plus balls a year, and you're going to go to a bunch more Pro Bowls. But this is where you need to be now because you just don't have enough juice outside to really threaten people. Yeah. Like to really, the, to make sure if you're that X on that weak side, to make sure that they have to, they have to roll cover sheet, make sure they have to have a safety over the top. They don't have to do that anymore. So basically what they're doing is they're manning you up over there and they're kicking the safeties down and, and they're, and they're getting double teams elsewhere. So we're going to move you inside and we're going to take that pressure off you. And it was, it was a remarkable move for Larry Fitzgerald. I think, if you can't move Cortland Sutton, yeah. that's where you put it. Okay. And I think the Broncos need that player in the middle of the field, right? I think they've been searching for that, certainly through the tight end position, and there's been mm-hmm. significant inconsistencies there. Obviously, they're hoping Greg Dulcich can take another step this year, but you do need targets in the middle of the field, and, and we know Russ has struggled with that in the past. So if Sean Payton can find a way to utilize him there, if they can't move him, right. I don't hate that idea. Not no, at all. I, I don't need, I think the other thing you have to – we always think of these these slot receivers as these little quick guys, you know. Right. Um 
But having a big dude yeah. at the slot receiver, especially with a shorter quarterback, mm-hmm. so that that target becomes a little bit more pronounced. Interesting, yeah. Would, yeah. Like, I think that that might help Russell, you know, where he hasn't been great in, in that area of the football field. Like, that might help him as well, having a little bit bigger target out there. This is KKFN, KKFN HD1, Longmont, Denver. And that's a very interesting point because what Sean Payton is going to do is start reestablishing the threats within this offense. Mm. And I think utilizing the middle of the field, like we're talking about, the third down scat back, adding these elements that maybe you haven't had or at least haven't been consistent with enough at least to build an identity offensively. So I'm looking forward to that. Okay, so that's sudden. You're okay. You're picking up the fifth, fifth year option on Judy. Uh, yeah, I, I, or would you rest- try and work a new deal? Well, I mean, if you can work a new year, a new deal, that's great. Uh, Jerry Judy still has a lot to prove. I mean, I, look at you know, DMac always calls him the best football player on the mm. on the Broncos roster. He's not right. close to being the best football player. He's not close to being the best. He's he's one of the most exceptional athletes. Mm. Like, and and I say this all the time. I tell Mike this all the time. I'm not concerned with having the best athletes. I want the best football players. And he's got a lot to prove. I mean, come on. Up until last year when they moved him out to X when Cortland was hurt and all of a sudden he, he you know, he popped for them for a while. For um, three games. Yeah, for three games. Up until that point he's been a bust. And he hasn't been available. Like he's had he had the injury first game of the season two years ago with a high ankle sprain, missed six, seven games. Last year, didn't he have a high ankle sprain, miss yeah, he had three or four time. games yeah. too as well. So mm-hmm. He hasn't been consistent enough. He's not, like, again, he's an exceptional athlete. Don't get me wrong. But is he an exceptional football player? Not yet. Okay, so would you make him prove it on this fourth year, yeah. or would you pick up his fifth year by May 20th? Uh, I wouldn't have a problem picking up his fifth year. Okay, because that gives you two more years of Judy, right? right? And you're talking about potentially moving on from Sutton. We still have to see Tim Patrick get back to mm-hmm. form. So at least you have... Someone who has flashed some real skill. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Tight end position. Greg Dulcich flashed a little bit in his rookie season Uh when he was able to play and wasn't injured. Right. I think this is a really important position, especially in a Sean Payton offense. How do you see the tight end room? Well, I think Beck is a, I think Beck is a guy that, that gives you versatility, not only as a tight end, but as a fullback. So he's a guy that, that I like, Mm. um, I think that you go back throughout Sean Payton's history, does a really good job of rotating multiple players at that position um, and developing those guys. So, you know that they've got some they've got some work to do there. That's that's one where you know I wouldn't hesitate to see them keep a couple of guys that are currently constructed on the roster and then try to in the draft third round is there a guy that we could go out there and get like we did with Dolchich last right. year like that type of kind of that type of progress or that type of work in that room can i throw a name at you yeah. there what about Blake Bell out of Kansas City a guy yeah. who was overshadowed by Travis Kelsey they asked him to do a lot he did a little bit of everything mm-hmm. the broncos need more of an all around yeah. tight end at cost that seems like it would be a good fit here get yeah. a little creative with a guy yeah, like that. I I like that guy. I think that's I think that's one of the things that you always look at um when you're talking about, you know, kind of Sean and and Sean's kind of the way he goes about that room. They just use that that is a multiple, it's not a one tight end kind of here's right. our guy, even though you you'd like to have that guy and they've done that in the past. You know, they've done that with a couple of dudes before. Um 
but I think that that is a that is a guy that or that those are that's a position we're using multiple of those guys. Mm-hmm. And then in, in New Orleans, they did uh, Jawan Johnson. Sure, if you remember him, he was a wide receiver. He came yeah. in and played wide receiver for them, and they transitioned him to the tight end position. And he has really grown and excelled. So that's another that's another kind of one of those tweener spots that they've done some stuff with in New Orleans and in, in Sean's past. Um, Juwan Johnson caught seven touchdowns this yeah. year. I mean, that's you, like like we're kind of talking about evaluating players that maybe were scouted differently in by different people, seeing a new role for them or how they would fit with your vision, yeah, and assimilating them that way and developing their their strengths. Right? Look at what he did with Taysom Hill. That's a very unique player who's got a specific skill set that you have to utilize appropriately to make work. Right. And and so those are those are some of the things that I think you start to look at and you go okay like could we could we go after a wide receiver in the college ranks that that has the potential to become you know the dude in in our team w- with our team I, I'll give you a, for instance you look at you know obviously Brian Robinson did a phenomenal job with Washington with the Commanders at the running back position but Antonio Gibson. Former yeah. wide receiver JD yeah. McKissick, mm-hmm. former wide receiver. I think both of them played at Memphis. Yeah, but they were former. I don't know if JD McKissick did, but but, but kind of fits that no, old. Arkansas State. He yeah. played Arkansas State, yeah. but but uh, Gibson played at, at Memphis. It, it's a couple of wide receivers that you know that all of a sudden become running backs when they get to the National Football League. Those are those are kind of the unique things that you're trying to do as you're constructing and building this roster. Right. Just finding different playmakers and finding easy path of least resistance ways to get them the ball in positions to actually do something right. with it in, in, in an and, open and space. Yeah. Least a path of least resistance to get them on the football field. Right. So if you get a guy who is a bigger type of wide receiver that you know that that also is kind of one of those unique talents that runs the ball a little bit, kind of like what they've done with uh with uh Samuel sure. in Washington as well, right? Debo, yeah. Right, no, not Debo, but but uh, Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel. Yeah. yeah. Who who uh, who at you know at Ohio State and yeah. in Carolina was just kind of a gadget guy sure. who's become even more of a gadget guy but but been able to stay on the field being a gadget guy but has refined his his skill set as a receiver and become a really big time you know, kind of slot target for them as well. So just stuff like that, that that you can be creative in not only how you get guys the ball, but how you use them from a position, kind of almost positionless players. All right, so let's recap the offense because that's the offense. The positions of need, backup quarterback, and you're looking for a veteran, right? Yeah, you have absolutely. a name in mind? Um, yeah, you know we've t- we've talked about guys like Teddy Bridgewater. We've talked mm. about guys like uh, like Chase Daniel. Who's what? Why are you talking about Chase Daniel? You know, like him? Chase Daniel's best suited for you know being next to you on at the Fox desk. Yeah, well, probably, but he's he's he was was Drew Brees' backup for a while in New Orleans. He knows. I, I, you yeah, need a guy who can play a little. You, you, I, yeah, I don't. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not looking for him to play at all. I hope okay. he doesn't play at all. What I'm really looking for is a guy who's super versed okay. in Sean Payton's, who's been there, who's really versed in it, and really sees the game the way Sean Payton does to really help Russell. Because he, here's what happens to you as a player. A coach can tell you something, and 
it can register, but it doesn't register necessarily all the way. When a player to player tells you, okay, think about it this way. But that's why they have Davis Webb. Right. Well, (laughs) the nuance, yeah, the nuance, the nuance of having a veteran dude who's been there, who's seen it, who really knows Sean, who really knows a guy like Drew Brees. Like, that's where I would like to see them go get a guy that has been under Sean, that has played for Sean. I, I think that would be a valuable asset to have in that quarterback room. I think he just tripped me up with Chase Daniel. I yeah. Mean, he, oh, he's he's old as Methuselah. Right, he's he just making. can't play, man. Like, I, I would rather have Andy Dalton. Oh, I w- there's no question I'd rather have Andy Dalton. There, There's no, because Andy Dalton can play right. still. Right. But I'm, I'm talking about the nuance of this offense. I think it's important to have a guy okay. I that see has been saying. in those meetings that really knows Sean, that really understands that offense to really help Russell along the way. And I think it's important to have a veteran set of eyes mm-hmm. that can look at you as, an, as another player and go, dude, really? Right, like, right. Really? And keep you in check a little. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, what was Brett Rippon going to do for Russ in that regard? Yeah, so that's a good point. Yeah. Okay. All right. Backup quarterback, veteran. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if he can play. He just needs to be have it together yeah, upstairs. I don't, I, yeah, I don't really even care if he can play. Okay. Um, you know, if you got, he's got to bail you out for two games, so be it. But I okay. hope he doesn't. Okay. All right. I, I'm going to set the bar just a little higher than Chase Daniel, but I see where you're coming yeah. from, and I totally get it. You definitely need another veteran who Russ respects a little yeah. bit in that regard, at least from a football IQ standpoint yeah. and an experience probably. All right, running back, Latavius and a scat back. Yes, and you can get that. If you don't get that scat back in free agency, you find him in the draft. Okay. Wide receiver, we're pretty set there. If you can move Cortland, you do it. Otherwise, bring him back and experiment with him to find the best position for him to have success. Yes. Okay. Tight end, we're going to look to upgrade value adds, though. We're Mm -hmm. not going to target a Dalton Schultz out of Dallas, potentially. Yeah. Okay. All right. And offensive line, clearly, right tackle, left guard. And an upgraded center if available. Yeah. All right. Defense. Uh-huh. Defensive line. What are your positions of need there, assuming Draymond Jones does not come back? Well, then you need a Draymond Jones replacement. Mm, those you guys need, grow on trees. Right, yeah. yeah. You, you need a guy that can that can play in a 3-4 front. They can play defensive end and, you know, defensive tackle. That, that has the ability to be, you know, be versatile in both of those things. So... You're going to have to have, you know, you're going to have to have depth there, obviously. Um, but you, you need a starter. You, you're going to have to find yourself a starter at that position. Mike Kliss, our Broncos 9 News insider, released a few names. I want to run them uh-huh. by you, okay? He put this out in his piece over the weekend with nine free agents the Broncos could potentially target. And All if right. Kliss is putting it out there, he's probably heard it from somewhere. Larry Ogunjobi. Defensive tackle, Pittsburgh, formerly Cincinnati. Right. Larry Ogunjobi is a good player. A really yeah, very good player. He's a yeah. really good player. Um, he was about to get a bunch of money with Chicago before he failed the physical, right? right. Yeah. Last season, I and, think. And I would I would look at that as, would you rather pay top dollar for Larry Ogunjobi or would you rather pay top dollar for Draymond Jones? Mm. And if the difference is a couple million, yeah. then what are we doing? Right. right. Draymond's a younger player. Right. Ogunjobi's 29, right? Draymond's, what, 26, I want to say? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. Ogunjobi, he also brings up Greg Gaines, defensive tackle with the Rams. Yeah, Greg Gaines is a good player. Um, I, I think of him more as a, as a nose guard. Like, I don't think of him as – he's a he's a space eater, eat up double teams. Okay. Um, 
You know, he is he is the equivalent of uh, who plays who's played nose for Purcell. Sure, he's yeah. Mike Purcell. Okay, all right. So really, I mean, maybe you have the in-house version right. of that here anyway. Yeah. Okay, so you need a Draymond Jones replacement. All right, at defensive line, are you yeah. looking to upgrade any other positions here or more depth? Well, I, I'd like to have probably more depth and somebody somebody who could push for a starting spot of, of an edge player. Okay. So you've got Browning, and then you've got um, mm. Gregory coming back, right? You better find some help on the edges right. here. I mean, what have those guys proven outside of Gregory in this league? And Gregory can't stay on the field. So. Right. Be it either suspension or health. And I think Browning has the potential to be a good player, but again... You know, there's, you know, he, he transitioned from inside to outside last year, and he was dynamic. Yeah, but check but, the resume. Right, I mean, this that was year one of him at outside. Right, you need more depth there. I'm not, I'm not sold on their second rounder Benito from last year no, at all. No, um, especially not in the run game. Right, Oof. and so you definitely need, you definitely need help there. Potential starter or slash somebody's going to press. Both of those edge guys, right? You know, if if Gregory gets hurt, then he comes in. If 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 Browning does not, you know, take that next step, then he's got the potential to to press him. Okay, all right. So edge help, yeah, yeah, depth. You 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 probably are you looking for a starter there, an upgrade over over Browning or Gregory? Probably not, right? That's probably represents too much money, right? I would I would look for a guy that can they can be rotational with those guys and and be like be a be a, a spot starter or be a, you know, the guy first in the rotation. How about the linebacker position group? Alex Singleton's a free agent. Are you going to bring him back? There's some interesting names on the middle linebacker free agency mm-hmm. list. I think, you know, Denzel Perryman's out there. Uh, names like that. I'm not necessarily saying him. I know they love Jonas Griffith. What do you think the positions in need are there? I would love, I would love to see um, just a, a dude that is like a guy that is a sideline to sideline absolute beast. I got a name. Yeah. Al Shair. I love I love Al Shair. He's had issues uh staying healthy. Okay. Um and he's a he's he's been more of an outside player. All right. Uh for them, you know, kind of a Sam or a Will. Yeah. Um Aziz though can play, man. 25 years old. Um and dude can run like you wouldn't believe. So, but an, an inside, you know, an inside guy that can um, they can flat move. That would be like I love I love Singleton, and I said this coming in when we signed him. I go, that's a sneaky good signing. That is a dude that that because he doesn't have the prototypical size, maybe the prototypical speed. Everybody tries to make him a backup. Right. And every time he goes somewhere, he just becomes a starter, mm. and he just makes a ton of plays. Like I really, I really like him. But I'm talking about like con- a TJ Edwards. Is that who you're thinking of? Like you know, because he was cut by Philly, I think. T. I like TJ Edwards. I do. He's a smart dude. Um, not necessarily, not necessarily the, the athlete that uh, like Levante David. Sure, yeah, a, yeah, a yeah, guy yeah, that can yeah. just flat go. And he's been around for a while, but that would be a guy that I would look at and say, "Oh wow!" I mean, that would that would really intrigue me. Okay, so Alex Singleton is a so he's basically where he's been the last few years. He's a good backup plan if you can't necessarily find an upgrade right. at cost. Uh, see, I would I'd like 
I would like to keep him and then yeah. add another sideline to sideline dude. Okay. I, I just think I think he has got just a an unbelievable kind of again high playmaking motor, ability, man. high motor, but he also just football awareness. Like sure. he sees things and he reacts to things. He's just an exceptionally to me good player. All right, so that's linebacker safety. Kareem Jackson, are we running it back for yet again one more year? Or are you possibly looking to upgrade with a guy like Avon Bell, Cincinnati? Right, I would. I think Kareem is just one of those unique players that I would have on my team regardless. All right, so you're re-signing Kareem I'd Jackson. I'd re-sign him. Right. And plus, he's not going to cost you a lot to re-sign. Okay. Corner. They just moved on from Ronald Darby. Yeah. Damari Mathis figures to slide into his spot for I, next season. I like Damari Mathis. I think you need some depth there, but I'm not going to overspend. I think one thing that we looked at, again, you look at the Kansas City model, when they got into nickel and dime packages, they had six rookies. Yeah, they were all kids, all yeah. of them. Yeah, and and so I would just I would just tell you, you know, you got a guy like um, Tyreek Woolen goes to the Pro Bowl as a fifth round draft pick. You know, sure. You've got a bunch of young corners who have you know who've played pretty well. You've got a, a stand out, just one of the best players in football, and Patrick Sertan on one side. Um, I think depth there is important, but I don't. I'm not going after a ten million dollar a year guy like Darby, like you just got rid of. So you wouldn't think about even trading Patrick Sertan? No, that would not. <laughs> that would not cross my mind. You guys can have that conversation tomorrow. I'm All not right. gonna. I'm not gonna do that one All with right, you good. today. You can have that one tomorrow. I'm sure Michael have a a ton of fun with that one. Of course, I'm talking about Dmac's newest piece for DenverSports.com, and go read it. Hot off the presses, the Broncos they should trade Patrick Sertan. It's our DMAC. Gotta love him. Uh, all right, corner, kicker, you're not going to do anything there. Yeah. Punter, you, you do need a new punter this year. That was probably one of the dumber mistakes they made last year, I think, moving on from Sam Martin to save a million dollars. Yeah. I yeah. For a guy who's unproven. Uh, and, and Corliss, I think he had some good games, but there were also some, some really rough ones. Yeah, you, you're, you're kicking game, and I think this is, this is endemic of the Broncos in general. Your kicking game, your coverage game, your, there has been nothing, um, that has been spectacular about that. Mm, special so, teams have been rough around here for a while. It, it really has. And I always, I always kind of look at it like teams that really have great special teams units to me have usually their, their young, and they're super athletic. And those guys are itching to play and because they don't get a play, that's where they that's where they thrive. That's their that's their realm. And um and I think that you need to, you know, you that that needs to like I always look at the athleticism and stuff and I can tell you a, a team that has the potential of having a really good defense mm-hmm. usually has a really good special teams unit. Coverage is u- coverage units because those guys are all itching to get into games. Yeah, yeah, and that's where they that's where they thrive. And and usually you have a, a younger, more athletic group covering kicks and doing those things. Sure, yeah, you, you've got a better football team. Okay, all right. So here are the positions of need we have identified for the Broncos this year, both offensively and defensively. On defense, you're looking for. A Draymond Jones replacement, right. if indeed he walks out the door. Right. If but they don't get a deal done with him. Most likely, I don't think they're going to. Right. If I'm gonna if I if I'm gonna guess, 
I don't think that's going to happen. I think they'll probably try and add a value player there. Edge depth, looking for another pass rusher. You've mm-hmm. got a group of largely unproven dudes there in Gregory, Benito, and Browning. Mm-hmm. They need some help. Let me throw a name, maybe even two. Um, Samson Ebukam. Yes. Yeah. Seems like and, more of an affordable right. depth option. And and Samson, Samson, hey, wait, the thing you have to understand is Samson was an outside linebacker with the Rams when he came in. He transitioned to defensive end. Sure. And San Francisco transitioned him there. And basically, you know, convinced him. It was interesting because I had this conversation um, with uh, D'Amico Ryans. Mm-hmm. So, like, hey, man, how did you – what was your selling point? How did you do this? And he goes, hey, man, I just said you can either be a, a, a rotational – like a rotational right. piece that is never really going to get paid or you can transition to the edge and have the potential of being a rotational piece there but have the potential of growing into kind of a, a big money player. Okay. And that's and it's exactly what – it's exactly – the kind of the sales pitch they gave to Ebicom and saying, hey, man, but what you have to understand is Vance Joseph is running a, a form of 3-4 right. where he played in San Francisco's kind of four-down front in in that rotational piece. And so, like, can he be a legit 3-4 D-end? I, I just don't think he fits. Okay. I think that for him, I think he would look at this and go, I don't want to play in that defense. I want to play where I always have my hand on the dirt. I don't want to have to be a half stand-up guy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. I, think, I understand. I, I, you're changing his scheme, right? Yeah. I mean, you're, 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 it's a big transition. So maybe not him specifically, mm-hmm. but maybe someone of his caliber. His tier, yeah, of maybe not a top level edge rusher on the market, but somebody who's you know could be a good value added cost. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. There's th- those are the guys. I think you really again. This is this is because I look at this not like hey we're one or two players away from being a playoff team. I look at this as like hey man, we need to make some significant upgrades at multiple positions. Mm. So what are we going to have to do? We're going to have to play smart right, and not go after the splash guys, but go after, like they did last year with DJ Jones. Okay. Not right. a splash guy, but a guy that can make a big splash. And for, made a big impact for them. He's a, he's a, he, was, he was not good. He was great last year. Linebacker, you're potentially looking at an upgrade if available, but you're more than happy with Alex Singleton back and Jonas Griffith as well? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. Okay. Yeah. Again, I'm with you there. If you can find an upgrade for a relative, relatively cheap option, I think you should investigate it. Cheap cost, rather. I think you should investigate it. Mm-hmm. At safety, you're going to bring back Kareem Jackson. I would investigate Von Bell. I think he's a, a player who could probably turn the ball over a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Sean Payton drafted him in New Orleans. I think there's a familiarity there. He's much younger than K-Jack. And I think, like I said, could be a very impactful player playing next to Justin right. Simmons. Just my take on that. I'll, gi- I'll give you a name at middle linebacker, too, Rashawn Evans. Mm, that is an interesting name. Right. He came from Tennessee. Yeah. Then he went to Atlanta last year, played for Atlanta on a one-year deal. Really, really played well for them. Um Started all their games, was their defensive team captain, was, you know, a, a, a million seven on a one year deal is what he made last year. Um and he's been a he's been a starter at middle linebacker for you know, like I said, for Tennessee he was a good team and then last year in Atlanta. Like there's a there's a guy that that I have I look at and say that's a that's a really 
good, like he's a really good football player. The final position we identified defensively is corner and depth there as well. We're going to be talking to our senior Denver Broncos writer, Andrew Mason of denversports.com next, and we're going to run the offensive side of the list by him and get Mace's take and a very important note that he points out that every Broncos fan must understand before evaluating this team this season. When the day is done, the game is over, and you need a break from all the stress, relax in your tub or shower from Bathfitter. Bathfitter will fit your budget with a price match guarantee. No money down, no payments for up to five years. Get the ball rolling. Visit bathfitter.com today. You're going to need a bigger part. It's time for Schlereth and Evans' big story of the day. What? It's just that you're so... You're so... Big. Here's Schlereth and Evans with this morning's biggest story in Denver sports. Big mistake. Big. Huge. Matt Smith in for Mike Evans this morning. Evans will be back tomorrow. Stink is in the building. Mark, how was your weekend? Did you have a good weekend? I did have a good weekend. Yeah, I did. Yeah, we uh, we had a we had a good weekend. Um, how is it for you transitioning out of football season into you know not traveling every single week? Um, it's it's actually it's one of the it's nice, but it's also. Kind of okay. What I'm going to do now, mm. like type of thing, yeah. you know. So there's there is that aspect of of trying to figure out what to do, and and now it's kind of one of those things. Okay, I've kind of just taken some time to do nothing. Sure, yeah, and that drives me crazy. So now it's about okay, what projects do I need to get done around the house, and then what do I what should I be doing as far as like free agency stuff is, as far as a draft is. I've never been a huge draft guy. Yeah. It, it's always been one of the, and it's probably because I was such a late round pick and I see. You were a 20th round pick, right? 25th. What? You were a 25th You're round pick? You're not trying to get me, right? There was 29th no, round pick. No, no, no. No? No, 10th. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. Something Sorry. like that, though. <clears throat> it would be the equivalent of a baseball 29th round pick, yes. <laughs> but anyhow, so there's, there's always been part of me that have seen so many guys that were first rounders come in and and weren't worth a score to piss that I just was like, uh, I've never really been big on the draft. So it's it's one of those things where you start to kind of manage your time and say, okay, what do I want to kind of dive into, what do I want to look at, and, and how do I want to increase kind of my overall football perspective and knowledge of the game? Boy, you were just so ready to jump on me. Yeah. Just yeah. so ready. 20th? Yeah, what did you, a, you said I'm a 20th round yeah. draft pick? You moron. You, know. you imbecile. I could see it in your eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're just trying to get a rise out of me. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of trying to get a rise out of you, on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline, our senior Denver Broncos writer for denversports.com, it's Andrew Mason. Good morning, Mace. How you doing, pal? All right, how are you? Oh, we're doing fine. Mark and I went through an exercise this morning and identified positions of need and top priorities for the Broncos as they entered free agency, Mace, but I want to highlight your piece that you wrote for denversports.com, basically weighing whether or not the Broncos need to go all in, spend you know every available dollar to them, or go about it in a more targeted, conservative approach. But, Mace, I think it's very important for Broncos fans to understand what's at stake this season and what this season is really about as it comes to Russell Wilson. Yeah, it's about figuring out... Uh whether he's going to be your quarterback uh, long-term or not, because the thing that hangs over this year is 
that on the fifth day of the league year next year, you own $37 more million if he's on the roster. Because if he's on the roster the fifth day of the league year next year, then his 2025 base salary becomes guaranteed. And so you've got to figure that out before you are in deeper, whether he can be your answer at quarterback or not. And also, whether he's your quarterback or not, the the numbers, the cap numbers on him, not just in terms of raw dollars, but a percentage of the, per, of the projected cap go up substantially as well. So you're going to have, whether he's on the team or not, you're going to have a greater commitment to him uh, under the cap in, the, in future years. And you've got to kind of plan for that one way or the other. And that's why you could take, uh, you, you go beyond the $33 million of cap space you have. You could take some contracts and convert salary to signing bonus, which the Broncos aren't positioned to do because they are cash rich right now and put the money into escrow and have, and, and create space this year to get more players. But then you're just putting that on a credit card and pushing it into a future, into future years. And that may not be the wisest thing. One of the things that I've thought about Mace is, is, you look at this roster, and I think there are a lot of I think there are a lot of holes, and I think there was probably a lot of people that over evaluated where the roster is right now. And so my thought process has been, hey, you need multiple offensive line positions to be filled, right? And instead of going after the top market guy, whatever that is, Orlando Brown or McGlinchey, you have to go after younger ascending players that you don't have to necessarily give this seventeen, eighteen million dollars a year to, but that next tier of guys. Um, because you need more than just one. It's not like plug and play. It's it's plug and play multiple positions. So, what is the strategy that you uh, would look at and say this is kind of what they need to do? I'd say it's kind of what you said. Not necessarily going for the top guy or even the second the second guy, and maybe even and I put some of these names in my piece at DenverSports dot com. Maybe even looking at players who've been cut. Uh, by other by other teams, and those are those players are generally older, but those guys can give you a year. Sometimes you're just looking for a player to sort of bridge a gap until you can figure out something long term. Of course, that being said, um, you know, you'd like ideally you'd like to figure out right tackle because that's been a revolving door. But then the other thing that comes into play is if you lose Draymond Jones. Do the Broncos want to sign a player who is of a level that would cancel out the third-round compensatory pick that you get back from losing Draymond Jones? So there's a lot of things in place, but like at, at guard, for example, um, you, you you know you obviously got some some decent names at the top of the uh, at the top of the of the list, but maybe you you look at you, you go further down and uh, you look at like a Will Hernandez in Arizona coming off of an injury who's uh, been pretty solid over this over most of his career at this point. Kind of go to that second tier and maybe it's you're talking about some prove it type of contracts. Mace, will you explain a little bit more about what losing that third round compensatory if you lose Draymond by signing a comparable player you know actually means? What, what does that look like? Okay, well basically you know, everyone talks about, oh, well, if you lose a big player in free agency, you get a comp pick back. But the way the compensatory calculus works is that if you have a player that you lose and they end up in a certain level contractually, probably where Draymond Jones is going to end up because he's going to become one of the highest paid 
uh, interior defensive lineman in football. He's probably he's not going to get Duran Payne money. Uh, and Payne got, I believe, it was twenty two point five million dollars a year on his contract with sixty million guaranteed over the weekend. But he's going to get something very substantial. And so what it is, and so based on that, it would it would mean the Broncos get a third round compensatory pick in next year's draft for losing him, unless they sign a free agent of comparable value. Uh, on the market, let's let's say, for example, that uh, they sign a, a Caleb McGarry or a um, or a, or a Mike McGlinchey, and those guys end up getting uh, reasonably get get a big ticket contract at their position at right tackle, comparable to to Draymond Jones at his position on the defensive line. And if that's the case, you they would look at you have one high dollar player in, one high dollar player out. And effectively, those would cancel each other out, and you wouldn't get the compensatory pick. Hmm. So it's subjective. Well, it's it's not subjective because it ends up being calculated based on where that player rank, where that player's contract ends up ranking among players uh, at his position. I see. And I then, see. but the, it's not subjective, but it is a calculus that we don't know the exact formula on, oh. but. There is one per. If you go to uh, overthecap.com, they have a writer named uh, named Nick Court, who who has figured it out and actually projected all the compensatory picks in this you see in this year's draft coming up in about a, in a in a month in a month or so. He projected all the picks in, the comp, the comp picks in this year's draft, and I think he only missed one or two, and they were at the seventh round end of it, like at wow. the at the very end. He didn't miss any of the third or fourth or fifth rounders. You learn something new every day, don't you, Mark? Every day. Yeah. Especially I, with Andrew Mason. Yeah, the whole the compensatory thing is, is you look at what San Francisco did. They, I think they just got seven compensatory picks from the last couple of years of, of losing, like, Sala, losing Mike uh, McDaniels. Like, wow. Um, didn't they, I think they got seven or something like that, Mace, going into this year's draft. Yeah, and and some of them were from the from from the McDaniel's departure, and you mentioned Sala, and then some were just because of free agents that they lost. I think they, I think last year they lost four free agents, and there wasn't a comparable player brought in, and thus that and that was part of the draft haul that right. they got. But the interesting thing on on this is. It only applies to unrestricted free agents. Players who were cut are considered street free agents, and they don't count towards the compensatory calculus. So, like for mm. example, when the Bronco, one of the reasons why you know when the, when the Broncos brought in Demarcus Ware nine years ago, he had been cut by Dallas, and so that actually made him uh, more attractive in terms of the Broncos bringing him in because it didn't apply mm, toward right. that. So that's that's where a guy like uh, if they decide to upgrade center. Somebody like Ben Jones of the Tennessee Titans, even though he is 33 years old, could be somebody the Broncos take a look at because he wouldn't count in that comp calculation. Mm, guy like Eric Kendricks, guys, guys in uh-huh. the gut. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Fascinating. Thanks so much for your time, Thanks, Mace. Mace. We appreciate it, buddy. No problem. Have a good day. All right. That is Andrew Mason, our senior Broncos writer at DenverSports.com on the Johnson Auto Plaza Hotline. When we come back, Michael Malone and MPJ, could they be feuding a little bit? And the Avs look to keep things rolling tonight in Montreal, not Montreal. That's next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents Schlereth and Evans.
Nuggets were in action last night. Matt Smith in for Mike Evans. He'll be back tomorrow, I imagine. You know, the one thing about Evans is I've noticed he's really left his mark here in the studio. The microphone's real greasy. I imagine uh, that's just from uh, you know, those fingers. fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. There's no question. Like, I'm going to have to wash my hands with, like, you know, uh, steel wool after this just to get that grease off, you know. And then D-Man manhandles. Oh, he like, does. He just, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he and, throws it around like the heavy bag. Right. Let me ask you a question really yeah. quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had said this after the Chicago game to Mike mm-hmm. Evans. I, like, that game was, it was, it was disconcerting in that they couldn't match athletically. Mm-hmm. With Chicago, yeah, and we we saw this last year in regards to the playoff run and and them getting beat up by Golden State mm-hmm. when they go small and Draymond was playing the five and they just go and they make you defend. I think they make you do that. They get. They, I mean, it becomes like a layup line, right? So right. And right. I talked about that. It's like the, their their dribble penetration is like a layup line. They're yeah. getting points in the paint. They're making you defend. They're making you chase. They're making you run. And all of a sudden, you lose some of your your set offense, and you lose some of your rhythm on offense, um, and, and just your efficiency on sure. offense because. They wear you out on the opposite end when right. they're asking you to play defense. Yeah, yeah. And so that would be like my concern meter for the for the Nuggets has grown. I don't want to say exponentially, but it's grown quite a bit here in this three yep. game losing skid um, with the athleticism, the lack of athleticism matchup. I, I think is is my point. So, what say you as a guy that covered them for a long time? There's a reason they brought in Contavious Caldwell Pope and Bruce Brown in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Part of it is that their horses just don't defend. Nikola Jokic has become a much better defender throughout his career. And certainly, in clutch time, the Nuggets have been one of the best teams, if not the best, as far as clutch time defense goes. End of fourth quarter, end mm-hmm. of half. But in the playoffs, it's different. Right. It's a much more ISO game where you're in one-on-one situations and you've got to keep players in front of you. And yesterday, one of the reasons that Brooklyn was able to bounce back in the third quarter and take what was an eight-point halftime lead and shrink it all the way down to nothing was Spencer Dinwiddie did a fantastic job of isolating Michael Porter Jr. off of a switch. So basically... Just saying, hey, I want to go with that guy, not Contavious Caldwell Pope. Mm-hmm. And because the NBA is addicted to switching, because that's the philosophy, I think teams just switch to switch at this point so they're not caught out of position. That's what Phoenix did to MPJ in the playoffs two years ago. They just ran every action at him. They were like, oh, that's your weakest link, and we know we're going to get a bucket. And that's what Dinwiddie did in the third quarter. And he put him in, in, in positions where you're on an island and you've got to stay in front of a guy. And the Nuggets just don't have the defensive capabilities to do that. And so that's why after yesterday's game, there's a big clamoring from the fan base to get Christian Brown, the rookie first-round pick out of Kansas this sure. year, back into the rotation. He played great yesterday. And the Nuggets didn't address backup point guard at the trade deadline. They opted to bring in a contract buyout in Reggie Jackson. I didn't love the move. 
It's not paying off yet. He's a veteran player, but the production on the court is struggling. That second unit is a problem right now. And so if your second unit is a problem, meaning that when your starters go to the bench, mm. you're struggling to sustain the lead, then you have to be really good defensively and grind it out. Problem is, Nuggets don't really try until the fourth quarter defensively. And that switch we always talk about, you want to be able to flip the switch mm-hmm. in the playoffs and that's a team that's never done that before, especially on the defensive end. So my concern is pretty high there for them in that regard. And Jamal Murray leaves the game yesterday at the five-minute mark of the third quarter, rubbing his left knee that he just had surgically repaired. I mean, you're talking about two and a half more months of basketball if these guys make a finals run. I still struggle to see how he's going to hold up, Mark. I do. I think it's a problem. I think they're I think they're in a situation now where some of their weaknesses are starting to become exposed, but on the flip side, this is the best time for that to happen. Right? You've got a lead in the Western Conference, you got a cushion over Memphis. You got some games to play with here and experiment different things if that makes sense. So, yeah, it's a concern for sure because they haven't answered any of the questions that we still have all had about how they could per- perform in the playoffs the last few years. So, we'll see. What about your uh, level of concern for the Avs? Mm. Comparatively speaking. Yeah. You know? Well, I think naturally you have to have more trust there, right? Because they've just done it. And they know what it takes. And the effort level that's required. And I think Jared Bednar is trying to balance the team that really opted not to get a ton of help at the trade deadline, which I think was a mistake. And I said it at the Mm. time. And I think it was one of the more unfortunate days. But they kind of operated based on the perception of fear. And we could go into it a lot more in depth, but it's unnecessary because here's where they are with what they did at the deadline. That's in the rearview mirror, right? right? You're not looking at that now. They're not as deep as they were last year, certainly up front. Mm-hmm. They need Eric Johnson and Josh Manson back in a huge, huge way. They're their best defensive defensive defensemen outside of McCarr and Taves, and really those guys who bring the lumber every night at back right. end. You know, the sandpaper finish, you know, finishing their checks. And that that's one thing that Bednar's been talking about a lot here over the last week and a half is their checking game, not being as tight as it needs to be, and maybe allowing some other teams to kind of get over on you too quick, a little too early. I'm concerned, but... I have come to the realization this weekend that I'm not going to be panicked. I'm not going to be overly encouraged the rest of the year. I'm just going to ride the roller coaster. Okay. I'm going to put my hands up and just say, "Wee!" Yeah, right. Like, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's enjoy it. And I think one thing that Betsy said yesterday or two days ago after the win in overtime against the Coyotes was, hey, you know, we're as good as we want to be. Right. And we're getting to that time period where they're going to want to be that good. Right. So we'll see how it comes we'll see how it comes right. out. That's fair. The bracket was released Mark yesterday and our friends at Superbook Sports present the Denver Sports 5K bracket challenge. The winner of each round receives tickets to every concert at Cheyenne Frontier Days. The grand prize winner takes home $5,000 powered by the Transportation Security Administration and the Urology Center of Colorado. Make sure you register now, get your friends or office pool signed up too. Sign up at denversports.com. Slash bracket. Thanks for hanging out with me this morning. Absolutely, You'll have, uh, like I said, old sausage fingers back here tomorrow. Yeah, all right. All right. Thanks, the Players buddy. Club. They're up next.
When your team is in hot water and you need a break from the play-by-play, Bath Fitter can install your tub or shower in just one day. And just like a coach, Bath Fitter is in your corner offering a watertight, seamless wall. A design consultant will take accurate measurements of your tub or shower and recommend the products that fit your budget. Bath Fitter has special financing available with no money down and no interest for up to five years. Now that's a game changer. Visit bathfitter.com to book your in-home consultation. Bath Fitter, it just fits. 